to keep the body in good health is a duty. Otherwise, we shall not be able to keep our mind strong and clear. That is a quote by Buddha. Welcome to Trina Talk. Trina Talk is a weekly podcast that will inspire and empower women of all ages to strive for the impossible. Your host, Trina L. Martin from TrinaMartin.com is a motivational speaker, leader, and cybertech expert. Every week, Trina will share wisdom gained from her life experiences and lessons learned while pursuing her goals to inspire you to achieve the next level in your life. Now, your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello, welcome to Trina Talk. I am your host, Trina L. Martin, and this is episode 64. I just want to say that I am so excited. Tomorrow is launch day for my new book, From a Mess to Amazing, Seven Steps to Create the Life that You Deserve. The book is for the person who appears to have it all together on the outside, but on the inside they know they're a mess. The book is for the person who is feeling helpless and hopeless. The book is for the person who is doubting themselves and wondering if there's more to life than what they've been living. I'm really excited for you to read this book. I was vulnerable in this book. I shared my life experiences. The book is going to be available everywhere books are sold. This is a good way to kick off your new year. Grab you a copy And grab a copy for a friend or family member. Now, on to this week's episode. The topic of this week's episode is, Are You Well and Whole? My guest this week is Lennis Woods Mullins. Lennis is a holistic living and wellness expert for women over 40. She is a podcast host, author, and publisher. Hi, Lennis. Welcome to Trina Talk. Thank you, Trina. It's wonderful to be here today. Great. I have been um, kind of cyber stalking you, looking at you online, and I love what you're doing because you do a lot of empowerment for women as well as being a wellness expert and in, um, into holistic living. But tell me about yourself and how you come to um, do what you're doing today. Is this something that you've always done? No, actually, you know what? I had a whole nother career. Uh, Trina, uh, when I first got started in this business uh, 10 years ago, I've been in business now for 10 years or an entrepreneur for 10 years. But prior to that, I was in uh, human resources and um, I was a human resource executive for an HMO here in California. And I was doing, you know, very well. I had been um, in uh, that industry for about 25 years and um, I was married. I have four daughters. One was in college. The other three were in different levels of high school. And um, I, you know, had the home and, you know, the swimming pool and the tennis court, all, all the things that supposedly people think would make you happy. Um, I was, um, you know, doing well. My husband was doing well. Everything seemed to be going well. But I found out, I had an epiphany that maybe things weren't going so well. I uh, woke up one morning. You know, I did a lot of traveling in my job. And I had just got uh, off of a three-day travel. And I was going to work from home. And this is really before they had a lot of working from home, but I would work from home from time to time. This was back in like 2008. And um, 
I was getting ready to wake up. And when I woke up, I noticed my face was damp. I thought I had sweat, you know, during the night. I mean, after all, that's possibility. At that time, I was 51. So, you know, menopause, going through all of that. And, um, and then when I went to the mirror, I saw that my eyes were watering. And I realized that I was crying. I woke up crying. And I couldn't think, I couldn't stop crying. I couldn't figure out why I was crying. I didn't feel sad, but my eyes were just tearing. And then all of a sudden, a voice just told me, you know, that inner voice, that, that, that Geiger counter that we all have, you need to call in, which is something that I don't normally do. I don't normally call in to work. You know, if anything, mm-hmm. I'm one of those people that, you know, I'm going to work and, until they throw me out or I go on vacations, but I never take off of work. So I decided to take off. And um, I, you know, unplugged my phone, turned off my cell phone, you know, shut down my laptop, and all, all the tentacles that I had, you know, extended into me, right? And said, so I just need to get some rest. Well, one of my daughters was home from college. This was like during spring break. And um, she had spent the night at her girlfriend's house and she came home. She didn't have a key. And so she was, you know, rang the doorbell. And I heard her, but I, I couldn't even lift my head off the pillow. I was just so exhausted. So she came around to the back and she's knocking on, I could hear her knocking on the family room door. And so finally I go downstairs and I open up the you know sliding glass door and she says, mom, what is wrong with you? I was like, nothing. She says, mom, you're crying. And this is like two hours I, I, after I had awakened, I was still lying in bed crying, you know. I said, oh, I'm okay. I'm just really tired. And she says, no, mom, this doesn't seem right to me. You, you, you don't look right. She says, I think you should go to the doctor's. I said, no, I'm not going to the doctor's. I just need to get some rest. So then she called my husband to tell on me, you know, mom's crying. What's going on? You know? So my husband said, you know, you need to take your mom to the ED and I will meet you there. And, you know, I I was kind of embarrassed because I'm going to the ED where I'm based. I worked for an HMO and I was in charge of recruitment for about five different hospitals and 13 clinics. And I worked out of one of the hospitals. So I knew everybody there. And so they see me come into emergency immediately. They're alarmed. What's wrong? And, you know, I talked to as a, a general practitioner, talked to a gynecologist, talked to a psychiatrist, a counselor. Finally, they kind of had like a mini intervention. They all came in at the end of the day and they said, Linus, we've decided you are just exhausted and you need to take some time off. I said, no, I don't. I'm fine. They said, no, no, no. You either take some time off voluntarily or we're going to find a way to make you take some time off because that you need, you just need some rest. And there's a place we would like to suggest that you go. So I was like, okay. So my, my husband was absolutely adamant. The girls were worried. And so I said, okay, fine, I will go. So I did for one week. I went to this respite and it was a place where people were transitioning back into day-to-day living after having been in a psych ward. So when I get there, I'm like, oh, my God, I, I, I felt like I know I need some help somewhere. But am I that crazy? Because there were some really interesting people there. Uh, but anyway, what I learned there, I, I, couldn't, um, I couldn't bring anything with me. Uh, and there was a book there by Melanie Beattie. And it was a book that they um, would give to a lot of alcoholics. And in that book, it talked about, it was called Codependent No More. And each day there was a saying or an affirmation that had to do with codependency. And I don't think I was really a codependent, but the messaging in that book was so powerful that when I left there, and of course I got a chance to uh, speak to a counselor every day and I began to realize that, yeah, something is going on and I need to take more time to figure out what is really up with Linus. So I decided to 
uh, take a year off. You know, in the medical industry, you can do that. If you're on the executive level, you take a sabbatical. And so I took a sabbatical and for one year and uh, began to do some real digging. And I found out that I really need to talk about what do I want to do when I grow up? Because I really, I kind of fell into the whole thing of human resources. People used to ask me all the time, how did you get into human resources? How did you get into, you know, I don't know. It just kind of happened, you know, you graduate from college. I, I danced professionally for a while, hurt myself, and decided to use my degree and get a job. And, you know, it's kind of one thing kind of fell into another. It wasn't so much that it was my passion. It was just something I paid well, have a job, and that kind of thing. And uh, as I began to explore uh, some of my inner feelings, a couple of things. Uh, surface. The first thing was that I was diagnosed with an anxiety disorder with borderline depression. Now, I didn't know I had an anxiety disorder. And looking back, I should have known something was wrong because when I wake, when I would wake up in the morning, every morning, and this was going back from the time I was about 43 until I left corporate America at 51. So for 10 years almost, I was waking up uh, in the morning and I would feel like I was going straight downhill in a roller coaster with no restraints. I mean, it was super, super scary every single morning. And the only thing that would take away from that feeling is a cup of coffee. And then I would be fine. That's when I started drinking coffee because it would take away that anxiety feeling. Well, when I took that year sabbatical, I decided I wanted to get on top of this anxiety that I was feeling. And at first, they offered pharmaceuticals. And I'm not anti-pharmaceutical, but I had enough wisdom in me from having been a nutrition minor in college that many times food is our medicine and our lifestyle contributes to whatever is going on. If we make some changes in our lifestyle and in our diets and then exercise and do some other things, uh, we sometimes may not need that pharmaceutical. Well, I wasn't educated enough back then to know what other things I could do. So I decided to take the pharmaceuticals, and I did for about five months. And, um, you know, the weight gain from that stuff, plus whatever else it was doing, who knows what was going on with the rest of my body with that crap. Um, I realized that, um, you know, this was not good. This was not normal. So I just decided to stop taking it and to find a holistic way to get rid of that feeling. I, went to, I was still going to counseling. Um, and I think, you know, initially the medication helped in terms of helping me focus during counseling. But after a while, I was like, heck no, I, I just didn't like the idea of taking anything like that. I wanted to get down to the root cause. And so through therapy and I made some major changes, I began to feel more empowered about really going after what I wanted in life. Because one thing I knew for sure that I didn't want in life, I did not want to go back to that job. And it was a great job. Mm. I mean, they were expecting me back that, that first day. I understand that they had flowers on my um, desk, my staff did. And, you know, they were all excited, brought, they were going to bring donuts and all that kind of stuff. They had brought donuts, whatever. And what I did was I called uh, my boss, the director, I guess the VP. And I said, you know what? I've decided I'm not coming back. And this is my official notice because I still had like about, I don't know, two months worth of vacation. I said, this is my mm. official notice. And he was like, what? I know he wasn't happy because they, you know, held the spot for me. But, you know, I went ahead and exercised those rights that I knew I had. I knew I had the time off. I knew they had that benefit of, of, of sabbatical. And sometimes you have to take yourself off the back burner. Put yourself on the front burner and do what you know you need to do to get well. 
too many times, especially women in particular, because we're the caregivers, we have a tendency to be the nurturers, we're the moms, we sacrifice ourselves and thinking that that's the right thing to do because after all, we're taking care of everybody else. But what happens is if you don't take care of yourself the way you should, you end up like me, walking wounded. And I'm so glad that I made that decision to take the time off and to do the exploration because I realized that I really wasn't happy. I wasn't really doing what served me well. I wasn't using, I was only using a small part of my skill set. I wasn't using all the other, I wasn't using the creative side. I wasn't all those years and years of dance that I studied and I minored in in college. All that stuff was just somewhere on the horizon. I wasn't using that. Um, the passion that I had for empowering women, that wasn't really being used, although I did have an almost all-female staff. You know, it, it wasn't the same. And I knew there was something else. So I took the leap of faith. I, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do, but I knew I wasn't going to do that. And that's kind of how my company, Praise Works Health and Wellness, was born. Um, and I, it's really kind of funny because I really didn't know what I was going to do. All I knew was that I wanted to find a way to help women to not ever feel the way I was feeling, uh, you know, um, um, not not feeling well in my mind, my body, and my spirit. And I really do believe that when you are approaching wellness in your mind, body, and spirit, things just start to fall into place. When any of those connectors are out of balance, then things can be kind of crazy. And we need to continually check in with ourselves. I wasn't checking in with myself. I was just kind of like, oh, you know, pushing the back, pushing the back, pushing the back. So finally, my emotional closet was so full of gunk that the minute I opened it just a little bit, it just all came tumbling out. Kind of like that. Everybody has that infamous hallway closet where you, mm -hmm. you know, put your coats and your toys and games <laughs> and things like that. And it's supposed to be for the guest. But you never want to open it because, you know, if you do, all your stuff will be out there, you know. And that's kind of how my emotional closet was. I wasn't opening it. I kept shoving stuff in, shoving stuff down, not taking care of me, not loving myself, not caring enough about myself to really check in with myself and to figure out why am I having these, this anxiety? Welcome to find out. One of the reasons why I was having that was that um, I had um, a post-traumatic stress disorder. Didn't know that. Didn't know I suffered from post-traumatic mm. stress. Yes. Most people think that post-traumatic stress is associated with some kind of a violent, you know, encounter. Uh, someone's harmed you in a violent way or you've been in an accident or something like that. Well, for me, that wasn't the case. My physical body was not harmed at all but my emotions were severely harmed and I didn't even know it because I just kind of took what happened and kept right on going. And what happened was I um, had um, four children, but at that time I just had three and I had just had my third child. Uh, she was five weeks old at the time and I had taken some time off from work. And um, when she, you know how it is when babies get five, six weeks, especially back then, because in the 90s, you want to, you know, go show them off, you know, at, at work. And so I stopped by my mom's house to uh, pick up some clothes because my dryer was broken, you know, always something going on. Okay. Dry, my dryer was broken, picked up the clothes, and then I was going to go and, you know, see uh, my, uh, my staff. And this was before cell phones. So this was like in 1989. And um, I said, okay, mom, I'll see you later. And she said, okay, we'll call me later. You know, I said, okay. So I go to my office and everybody's, ooh, ah, over the baby. Telephone rings in my office, which was really weird because, you know, I was on maternity leave, but I picked it up and it was my dad. And he said, Linus, um, 
I said, Dad, how'd you know I was going to be here? He said, well, you mentioned it when you came in that you were going to the office. office. I thought I would try to catch you. I need you to go back home, you know, to the family home. He said, your mom's been in an accident and uh, they're working on her now. And I said, oh, okay. Um, I said, is she okay? And he says, well, they're working on her. He says, yeah, I'll, I'll know more. I'll call you a little bit later on. So I said, okay. So I began to get this feeling of unease, but I'm pushing it back because I have the baby with me and I got to get home because my grandfather, my father's father was visiting and he has a little tad bit of dementia at the time. So, you know, I was going to be, stay there with him. So I get there and I'm feeling that unease. Something's going on and my spirit is, something's not feeling right. And so I said, I need to call someone to come and stay with me. And um, so I, I called my mother's office because I left my organizer at work. And like I said, before cell phones, everything was in my Ben Franklin organizers. <laughs> I left it at work. So I called my mom, you know, my mom's secretary. And I said, listen, I need to get some telephone numbers. And I know my mom had all my best friend's numbers. I need to, you know, call someone to come and stay with me for a minute. And she said, oh, yes, Linda. She said, I can understand. She said, you know, we all loved your mother so much. Mm. And I said, loved. You mean ED? I, and I was like, you mean she's gone? Mm-hmm. She said, oh, I'm sorry, Liz, I thought you knew. And she dropped the phone. And then I could hear in the background people crying. And just and, and I still hadn't known exactly what had happened. So my mother's boss was in, you know, in the office where everybody was, I would imagine. And he said, Linus, we're so sorry. And I said, what happened? I didn't even know what happened. She was on her way to a board meeting. And uh, she had the green. And a fire truck was responding to a smoke mm-hmm. alarm. They had the red, no siren. They went right through the red light and right through her. And she was killed on impact. Mm. And that's how I found out. Oh, my goodness. And that very second was when I began my descent into anxiety hell in terms of trying to control the outcome. No matter what, from now on, and you'll subconsciously from now on, I'm never going to be surprised about anything. Not ever, ever, ever again. I'm going to control my three kids and later my four kids, my husband, my job, my friends, my, my sisters, my dad, my family. I'm just going to control everything because nothing is going to ever surprise me again. So consciously, that's what I was thinking, which of course is absolutely insane. You cannot control anything but yourself. And sometimes even that is difficult. So, you know, after um, almost 20 years of that, because I was um, 31, when that happened, 20 years later, you know, there I am in emergency, can't stop crying, come to find out a few months later that it was all because of a post-traumatic stress disorder that was never diagnosed and my lack of listening to other signs in my body. And that first sign, the very most obvious sign is who wakes up in the morning feeling like they're going straight downhill on a roller coaster. Mm-hmm. I did for years and never said anything to anyone and just kept on my merry way till finally, so finally, I believe, you know, God said, you know what? Enough. If you won't do something, I'm going to do something. Mm. And I, you know, I know that if it had not been for my mom's passing uh, and the way things happened, I would not be doing what I'm doing now. You know, I do believe God always has a plan. I, I absolutely do believe that. And what sometimes things will be set up for bad, you know, things can be turned around for good. And in my particular case, you know, of course I miss my mother. She didn't get a chance to see her fourth granddaughter and her three grandchildren. And, or actually now she's got, um, how many grandchildren does she have? She has seven grandchildren and she didn't see any of that. She was only 56 years old when she died. Oh, wow. A beautiful woman, very talented, a great, great loss. But through all that loss, I was able to find um, redemption in terms of really getting on the path that 
um, I was supposed to be on, really living my purpose. And, you know, sometimes in tragedy, um, out of that comes many lessons learned and self-discovery in many ways, where you begin just to start thinking about your whole life and what it is you need to change and what is different. Well, in my particular case, when that happened, I was an automatic. I had a six-week old baby, a 17-month-old, and a soon-to-be four-year-old. So, and my dad, who was devastated, and a sister who was only 17, one mm-hmm. week from 18 when she died, and another sister who didn't even live in the same city. She lived in L.A. because she was um, working on her grad degree. So, you know, I felt like it was my responsibility. I had to suck it up and do what was necessary. And I never took care of the inside of me. Mm. The outside of me looked fine. You know, I was a size six for years and years and years. And, you know, I had all these kids, never gained weight, looked great. But inside inside, I was a mess. And that's what happens with uh, women and people in general. You keep that stuff inside all the time and eventually it's going to come out. If not emotionally, it comes out through your body. That's what chronic disease is all about and cancer and heart disease and obesity and high blood pressure and high cholesterol. All of those things are signs of stuff going on within you emotionally in many cases that you're just not addressing. And we live in a society right now that's full of walking wounded, people who are hurting, who have never really addressed it. They just keep swallowing it, pushing it back, pulling themselves up by the bootstraps and not being vulnerable enough to allow them um, to allow themselves to feel the pain, work through it, get help, and then kind of get rid of that baggage and move forward. You know, Brene Brown wrote a book about that. She wrote a book about failure mm-hmm. and um, how important it is. I believe it's called um, Rising Strong. How important it is to go ahead and lean into the feelings that failure brings or any tragedy or anything that's unpleasant to lean into those feelings, to process them, to allow yourself to feel them so that when the time comes for you to rise back up, you rise back up strong. You can pull yourself up by the bootstraps, but you still might be using a cane, have an arm in your cast, have a big old headache. You can still have issues going on. So the whole idea behind her book, Rising Strong, is to go through the process of healing yourself emotionally emotionally so that you really can rise strong. I didn't do that. So when I got into this business, my goal was to really motivate and empower women to be proactively taking care of themselves from a wellness perspective. But if they fall into that category that so many women do of obesity and high blood pressure and strokes and heart disease and cancer and all the other kind of stuff, to be willing to do the work to find out what else is going on with them besides just the physical piece so that they can be well in their mind, in their bodies, in their spirits. Wow. Wow, thank you for sharing your story. I, I, you know, I'm so sorry to hear about your mom, but, you know, like you said, just people don't take care of themselves. And as you were telling your story, I was thinking about me and I was kind of the same way, just on overdrive. And sometimes I would say that to myself, like, I'm, I'm on overdrive, just, just keep going, boom, 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 boom. And Finally, I had a breakdown like that a couple of years or so ago where I just said, you know what, I need to do the same thing. I looked within myself and I said, okay, what do I really want for my life? Who am I? Mm -hmm. You know, and these are the things I need to do because, you know, I'm a single mom, I'm working, you know, I'm trying to, you know, do all things. I'm being superwoman and, and it's really not good. And it's not good to try to carry that weight. No. And you know what else too I learned? 
I have four daughters and they really look to me as a role model. Mm-hmm. And when I got well, I sat down and talked with them about the mistakes that I made. And one thing in particular was just not taking care of myself. And now my daughters are all in their 30s. One's 27. But I couldn't be prouder of them because they work really hard. They have great jobs, but they play really hard. In fact, as we're talking right now, one of my daughters, my 31-year-old, just left. She's in Bali right now with her best friends on vacation. The other one just got back from West Africa. And another one's planning on going to Italy later on this year. So, you know, the whole idea of not putting things off and moving forward in the things that you really want to do. And in order to do those things, making sure that you're well, that you're honoring your mind, your body, and your spirit, that you're, um, and it's, and of course, eating well and exercising is good too. But you know how you go to the doctor to check out your body, you go to the dentist for your teeth, you go to the optometrist for your eyes. There's nothing wrong with going to counseling Mm -hmm. for your mind. Okay. And nothing of uh, having a support group of women, a support group of women for your spirit and your soul. Um, definitely, I happen to be a Christian, but having some kind of entity that reminds you that there's something larger than yourself out there and that you're not just here on your own, just going from day to day, day to day. These are the kinds of things that I think make us whole overall is addressing all of those needs and not just going for the surface. You know, I always say, and then some of your listeners might get upset with me, but this is what I always say because I believe this. If you are a size 22, 24, okay, and you're five feet tall, something's going on. Mm-hmm. You are not well. Never mind the whole idea that you may not be well from a physical standpoint, but I would venture to say that emotionally, there's something going on there. There is something going on, whether it happened way back in your childhood or something that happened a year ago. You are out of alignment when you have that much weight on you. There's mm. something going on. And when I look at what's going on right now in this country, it, 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 it knows no socioeconomic boundaries. I see so many obese people. It's amazing. But what I mostly see, though, are obese women. And I believe the reason why I'm seeing so many obese women, of course, my awareness is raised because I'm into wellness, but also I believe that a lot of those women are hurting, dealing with issues of concern that they've just pushed back because they're raising families. They're climbing the corporate ladder. They're trying to be a good wife or they're single moms. You know, they're, they're playing all the roles they play, the daughter, the sister, the friend, the cousin, the neighbor, the parent, you know, the employee, the manager, all the different roles that we play. And in none of those roles is just being a good friend to me. Mm-hmm. You know, that self-love, self-care thing that you hear about, most of us are not doing. And so it shows up in different ways. And one way is in obesity. So the things that I'm talking about, it's important to check in with yourself. And if I were to empower any of your listeners, it would be that, is to start putting yourself on the front burner. Use my story as a cautionary tale. You know, I'm very grateful to God that, you know, my family made me go, that my employers were so wonderful and gave me that time. And I got good counseling and, you know, really got myself together in a way that I'm able to, you know, talk to you right now. I hate to think about what would happen if I hadn't done that. Uh, But I would say that, you know, rather you do it on the front end than the back end. Because some people will say when it comes to the whole wellness thing and doing things preventatively, let's say hiring coaches or getting supplements or paying for yoga or whatever it is that you're doing in order to get well, they'll say, well, no, I really can't afford that. 
And I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe not. But you either pay for it on the front end mm. or you pay for it on the back end. But guaranteed, that bill is going to come due paid, whether you are alive or whether your family members are paying for it after you've passed. And I've seen that happen. I'm 62 years old. And unfortunately, I've had some dear friends that didn't make it to that. Um, cancer, heart attacks, obesity, stroke. Uh, but when I take a look at what was going on in their lives at the time or leading up to that time, there was emotional trauma. There were things going on that they just hadn't dealt with. It was one, you know, pull yourself up by the bootstraps, do what's necessary, move on to the next thing, and no focus on doing what's necessary to take care of you. So I really want to empower women to really think again about their priorities. And A number one on your to-do list, A number one should be you. Because if the whole apple cart falls apart and you're not there to put it back together again, what's going to happen to the rest of your family, to your friends and everybody else that depends on you? It, it's in, imperative that you put yourself first. It's not selfish. It's selfless, actually. In order to continue doing what it is that you do for everybody else, you first have to do with you. I don't have to tell you that old adage about uh, being on an airplane and the oxygen and, you know, putting it on you first. You've heard that before. Mm -hmm. Well, it's really true in every area of your life. It's important that you deal with you first. And if you have children, especially if you have children, if you have to be, happen to be a woman with female children or even with male children, it doesn't matter. They look to you consciously and subconsciously. The things you are doing is the example that you are setting for them. And you don't want to set an example of illness and lack and worry and despair and all that stuff. You want to uh, set an example of vibrancy, set an example of, um, of wellness. Um, not to say that life is perfect or that you're perfect, but that when it comes, that you're well enough to deal with it in a way that comes from a place of positiveness and can-do attitude. Because it's hard to be positive and have a can-do attitude when you're sick. I mean, it's just really hard to, you know, be um, uh, motivational and inspiring to your family, friends, or anyone else when you're not feeling good. Mm -hmm. Wow. So true. So true. And like you said, self-care is first and foremost. It has, it has to be. Wow. Well, Linus, we're going to go into the questions because, I mean, what you said was enough. I mean, that is just, and, and I want people to think about that and really take heart to that because it is very, very important. And I know us as women, we just want to be the superwoman. You know, we're, you know, doing things and a lot of times we don't have help and support. So we're trying to make things happen. And you do, you need to take care of yourself. So um, very wise words. I thank you. But let's let's go into our questions and then we'll continue on. Okay. Okay. So who or what motivates you? What what motivates me um, is my mom. Uh, she truly was a superwoman, a renaissance woman, um, someone who left early but left a lasting impression of me in terms of the importance of uh, hard work and integrity and self-love, which I forgot that message, you know, but I remember now some of the things she used to tell me. And she was such a great example. Uh, so thinking about her and what she would say, that motivates me. But what also motivates me are other women. 
um, no matter what their walk is in life. I think that women are the most beautiful, most beautiful creatures on earth. And we are also, sorry guys, if you're listening too, but we really are stronger than you in so many ways. I know maybe that might not be biblical, but that's just the way I feel about that. Um, I admire the strength that women have. We may not be able to lift 500 pounds in terms of barbells, but we can lift 500 pounds of all the different roles that we play and the things that we do and the problems that we solve and the heartaches and the emotions that we carry within us. So I have a great admiration for women and they motivate me to continue, you know, pushing and and doing what it is that I do. Mm. What demotivates you? Uh, You know, I don't like laziness. Um, I don't like uh, sitting around and not doing anything. Uh, if I do that for too long, I get demotivated. It's kind of like a like a, 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 a rash. It kind of starts off and you start itching it a little bit here and there. You get more and more lazy and more lazy. Next thing you know, your whole body's covered with that rest. Next thing you know, you don't want to do anything. So being lazy demotivates me. Being around people who aren't doing things demotivates me. I like to be around people who challenge me, who make me want to be a better person, who I admire, who are uh, people that are setting the bar, uh, you know, and who give me that feedback to encourage me. Uh, That's what, that's what I like to be around with being around energy zappers. I mean, you know, energy Mm. vampires, I can't do it. Can't do it. Can't do it. Mm. Uh, Can't, can't be around that. It just zaps energy out of me and all of a sudden I'm feeling demotivated. So that's what demotivates me. Okay. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked for your good. (laughs) You got a few days. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes I've learned, no matter how well-meaning they might be, some of your closest friend and definitely your family, sometimes even your husband, (laughs) can say things that can really uh, demotivate you. And they think they're motivating you or they think that they're supporting you. And, and sometimes, and you know, in the very beginning of when I was starting this business, and I know it seemed crazy to them because I didn't even know about social media back in 2009. I mean, I was excited when I found out about Facebook and my kids were like, what, mom? <laughs> then they're done that, you know? But you know what? They're not laughing at me anymore because I have 150,000 followers on the internet. But back then, <laughs> I know I seem like a mad woman. I would get up in the morning, you know, 6 a.m. in the morning. I would be, I had a, a regular desktop computer inside a credenza. And I'd be inside that credenza all day doing whatever. And they would all kind of be like, I don't know what's going on. I'll be glad when mom gets back to work because I got some Air Jordans I need to buy. You know, that's really. <laughs> but you know what? I was on a mission. And God had told me very, very plainly what it was that I was supposed to be doing. How I was going to do it, that kind of came along over time. But just the fact that I was doing it, that was my mission. And so a lot of people didn't even know how to support me. The whole idea of um, doing a um, internet radio, we are calling it then, now they're saying podcast. I mean, you know, no one really knew what that was. Uh, the idea of making money online, I mean, my goodness, dot-coms had belly flopped a few years back. So it's like, what makes you so different? And I didn't even know I was a dot-com back then. <laughs> no, I just figured that out a few days ago. I mean, a few years ago. Oh, I don't know, But, you know, um, a lot of people just didn't understand it. I didn't get a lot of support. I didn't have a lot of benchmark, you know. And so that was somewhat deflating. But I went back to what God told me and what he promised me. And it's taken me almost 10 years. But I can tell you that now going into my 10th year, 
because there really is no such thing as overnight success. I don't care what anybody says. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm right there. I am there. I'm definitely there. But it took me learning to do one of the four agreements. And one of the four agreements talks about, um, you know, not taking things personally. Mm. And I had to learn over time. I didn't learn it right away. Not to take in what wasn't for me. And that doesn't mean that you go into denial that, oh, this is going to work. This is going to work. You know, and you've been doing it for 20 years. But you know what is for you and what is it. You begin to learn that over time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even though they might be well-meaning, mom, you know, this is, or, you know, honey, this is really not working. It's like, no, it's too early for me to throw in the towel yet. It's only been a year, you know, it's only been a year. Uh, So I had to learn to not take things personally and not internalize the, that some of that messaging that wasn't for me. Okay. What is your fear? I guess my greatest fear is uh, not being enough. I think that's something that I still suffer from that I have to work on every day because I know intrinsically or intellectually that I am enough as I am right now in this moment in time is enough. It's another message I send women all the time as you are right now really is enough, but it's that monkey mind that thing that kept telling me I could do more and more and more. And sometimes I can, ca- I have to catch myself when I start, you know, a lot of different projects and my virtual assistant, she'll say, uh, you already got five going on. Do you really want to add that six? Say, you know what? You're right. But in my mind, I'm thinking, but maybe I should, because, you know, I, I just need to make sure it's right. You know, and the reality is that the five or the four, maybe even just the two projects really was enough. So I'm, I'm learning uh, to remind myself that I am enough. Uh, but I still have that fear that maybe I'm not. Okay. Let's work on that. Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Oh, sure. <laughs> Regrets? I have more than a few. Mm-hmm. But I, I, it, I just don't dwell on them. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is, is that those experiences are there to teach us something. And so I have learned to be grateful for some of those um learning moments. Some people might call them failures. I would just call them learning moments, teaching moments. Uh, They got me to where I am. And I look back at them and I wouldn't trade one of them. And some of them were pretty, pretty bad, pretty humiliating in terms of, you know, oh, well, that was really a stupid thing to try. But that's how you learn. And even though I have my degrees, undergrad, graduate degrees and all that, and I went back to school and got my certification in nutrition and certified in yoga and Pilates and became a, a holistic life coach, all that stuff. The reality is that most of what I learned was just plain old OJT, on-the-job training, which means that you learn and you go as you go and you have to get pretty thick skin because you're going to make some mistakes. Mm. And I found, though, that that was probably the strongest teacher. Mm. What is your definition of success? Feeling a sense of joy every day. Hmm. Bottom line. Doing what brings you joy, feeling joy, regardless of your outer circumstances. One of my favorite scriptures from uh, the Bible talks about Paul, who was in a prison with sewage up to his knees, they say. And here he is, you know, writing and talking about how he has learned to be content hmm. in his current circumstances. Hmm. So I have found at this ripe, ripe old age that my main goal, my main intent in, in my day, in my life, is to experience a sense of joy 
no matter what's going on mm. because that passes happiness passes sadness passes grief it does pass success comes and goes but joy if you can learn how to have that joy that's lasting mm. no matter what that's lasting so we talked about self care how do you recharge <laughs> Well, you know, it's always physician heal myself, right? <laughs> give all kinds of advice. I don't listen to one single thing I say. <laughs> but how I do recharge is um, I love spending time alone, which is interesting because I used to hate the idea of being alone. But I really appreciate the silence after raising four girls and all their friends that came by and be, being basically like a sorority house for like you know, 20 years. Um, I, I, I really uh, recharge from... Uh, silence. Mm. I've learned to appreciate listening to the silence. And I'm a very um, energetic, high energy person. I'm basically like the energizer bunny. I I know that a lot of people are like, when do you give out a steam? But I have learned to quiet myself over the years being in this business. I had to learn how to meditate because I'm telling everybody to do it and I couldn't do it. I finally learned how to do it. And now I can't imagine not doing it at least once a day, just totally shutting down and being quiet. Hmm. And that's how I recharge. But, you know, a trip to Paris or Africa or (laughs) Bali, where my daughter is right now, wouldn't be a bad idea either. (laughs) I know that's right. (laughs) I want to be like them when I grow up. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I know that's right. Linus, go ahead and tell the listeners how they can connect with you and what you got going on online. Sure. Uh, First of all, please visit my website at wellnesswoman40.com. And uh, there you will find um, your way to most of the stuff that I have going on. Uh, My magazine is on there. My book, Power of Superwoman, is on there. Also for information about a retreat that I'm sponsoring in March um, in Costa Rica, that is on there. Uh, My online classes is the gateway to my online classes as well. I'd love for them to come and uh, take a look at my uh, Wellness Woman 40 and Beyond group on Facebook. Uh, I go on about three, t- three days a week and, um, you know, give advice. And we have some wonderful women. We just made the 2000 mark a few days ago. And my goal is to get to 20,000 by uh, 2020. So, uh, or 20,000 sometime in 2020. So please go and join the group. It's a very supportive and interactive group. I mean, and we have a lot of coaches on there. A lot of doctors are on there. So there's people that are giving advice that are have great experience in health and fitness and nutrition and wellness. And there's also a lot of empowerment, a lot of inspiration and motivation. It doesn't cost a thing to join. And that's Wellness Woman 40 uh, group on Facebook. And that's right. I forgot to mention that I do have three podcasts that I do. I have the Wellness Journey podcast, which is on hiatus until October, but you can still just Google the Wellness Journey podcast and it'll pop up. And I also have um, uh, Linus Minutes, which I do in the group and it's also on YouTube as well. And I have a brand new podcast that's starting this month called Vibe Living. And uh, Vibe Living is a lifestyle podcast for women over 40. And we talk about anything from retirement planning to dating after 40 to getting your mojo back after, you know, some kind of event that makes you think that you're just too old to keep moving forward. Um, and that um, Vibe actually is an acronym. Um, it stands for um, Victorious, intuitive, beautiful, and emerged. 
because that's what I think all women over 40 are. You know, you've, you've gone through some things and you've been become, you've become victorious over those things. You have that inner sense, that inner voice that's been strengthened over the years. So you're intuitive and you're, you've beginning to learn that the true beauty is not just on the outside, but it's on the inside as well. And you are truly a sum total of all your life experiences, 40 plus years. And so you've actually emerged, you're ready. And I think, that after 40, 50, or in my case, after 60, I am living my best life. I truly am right now. I've never had more fun. I've never had more joy. And it's not that I don't have problems. It's not that I don't have issues of concern. It's just the way I react to them now is so totally different. It's that wisdom that knowing that this too shall pass. Nothing lasts forever. And, mm-hmm. you know, we don't have to be like my, like my kids. The 20s and the 30s are the, what I call hair on fire age. We're oh, past yeah. the hair on fire. Everything is, oh, my God, oh, my God. We're past all of that. Now we're like, okay, yeah, I hear you. My, I just, you know, my, my engine just blew. <laughs> rent a car, catch a bus, fix it, or just not deal with it until tomorrow. But either way, eventually it's going to get dealt with. Right. You know? and, and I really, I love being in that frame of mind at this particular stage of my life. Yes. I'm 48, so I'm going to go listen to your podcast and join your group. Oh, please join my group. Gina, I'd love to have you join my group. And of course, when this comes out, I'm going to definitely promote it and all that. You'll love the women there from all over the world, literally all over the world. Sometimes I have people that um, sign up on the group and I, I can't I, I can't even read their name because it has the um, hieroglyphic kind of some, in some region of the country in the eastern part of the world. Um, but all kinds of wonderful women. Uh, with great stories uh, to share. So yes, uh, please. Oh, I will. I will. Well, Linus, I thank you for being here with me and just telling us and empowering us to take care of ourselves because that is so important. And, you know, I know you were speaking in general to the women, but for the men listeners, also, it's important that you take care of yourself. But women, we kind of really put ourselves on the back burner. So I hope that some woman out there who needs to hear this, I hope she takes it and runs with it and does whatever she needs to do to get her own self-care. And let me say this for the men that are listening, because I, because my husband, I'm not my husband, another friend of mine said, oh, you're biased. You only want to talk to uh, to women. But this is how I look at this. Um, you know, happy wife, happy life, happy girlfriend, happy life, you know, happy best friend who's a woman, happy life. Uh, the reality is that so much of what women do kind of determine the world's turning on the axis. It's really true because we're raising the families and hopefully taking care of you as well. So the tips that I talked about or the story that I shared is applicable, I would think, to any woman in your life. And if you're listening to this broadcast, you should share it with them as well because I know that you love them enough to want them to be well also. Absolutely. And on that note, Linus, I just want to say thank you for being on Trina Talk. Well, thank you, Trina. It's been wonderful to share with you today. Thank you. Well, have a great day. You too. If you like Trina Talk, please don't forget to go out to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs some motivation and inspiration in their life? Don't forget to share Trina Talk with them. I hope you have a great week. And remember, If you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination. You can listen to Trina talk anytime and anywhere 
It's available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and all other places that you can listen to podcasts. If you like the podcast, please don't forget to go to iTunes to subscribe, rate, review, and share. If you have questions for me or need inspiration on how to go to the next level, tweet me directly at Trina L. Martin.